Welcome to Everyday Entrepreneurs Everywhere with your host, Chris Parker. And welcome back to Everyday Entrepreneurs Everywhere. This is Chris Parker, and I have Brian Smits, who's the business development manager for Circularize. And Brian is part of a program with the company called Startup and Residence, which is, I think, an amazing type of incubator accelerator for startups to get commercial deals with the city of Amsterdam. And I'm sure we're going to dive into that. Um, myself, I'm a mentor with Startup and Residence, and that was the connection. Um, I am really curious because I've read about Circularize online, and I have an idea of what circular economy could mean. Um, but I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot more on, on this conversation. So Brian, welcome to the conversation. And can you please share with us, what is it that you, you as Brian do and, and why do you do what you do? Thanks, Chris. First of all, thanks for uh, giving us this spot on the podcast. Um, yeah, my name is Brian. I, I work with Circularize for uh, for numerous years now, uh, actually pretty much from the beginning. And uh, I'm a business development manager there. Uh, like I said, I got into the company quite early when we were still a bit smaller. We're now growing. Um, I tend to look at business because like, like we do as gen in general as a company uh, that have products in the chemical uh, industry. Uh, that's where we take it from commercially. Uh, but now also looking at circularity from a public procurement perspective to see where we can help, for instance, in this case, the city of Amsterdam with uh, with their procurement questions about how do they measure what's circular or sustainable and what's not. And yeah, well, the reason I got into it is because uh, I think uh, circular economy is something that has a huge potential and is actually quite necessary when you look at uh, the world and how uh, materials are being sourced today. Um, so we need we need something in place to, yeah, basically figure out what we can do, where you're going to get the resources from, if you want to sustain uh, growth or even ma maintain a certain economic value for these materials in the future. So that's uh, that's something I think is really important. Uh, and I also have uh, young children, and I think also that uh, for me to have a Something like this is really meaningful in order for them to have a, a good world to grow up in. And uh, might sound very, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it feels like a mission sometimes, but uh, th that's also why it makes it so beautiful to work in this, uh, in this line of work. Well, I think leaving the planet better off than we found it as a generation is um, certainly a mission and a noble mission at that. So, um, yeah, I feel it. Yeah. Can you share, because you, you, you mentioned circular economy and it's oftentimes called circularity as well. Um, can you describe what circular economy is for people that might not be familiar with the term, if there's anyone who's not familiar with the term, because it's, it's getting more and more common? Yeah. Yeah, well, first of all, I, I would describe it as that uh, I think there are some metrics there that, that just give an indication of what's going on in the world at first. So also to put out there why it's important. And 90% 90, 90 of the, the resources that are basically being sourced from the ground, from the natural resources that we have, uh, is not being recycled at the end of life. So when it goes through the whole production process, these all these resources, they get put together as products, and then only 10% makes it back into a new product. And... Uh, 
I think to get a global idea, like actually looking global, if you look at the world, it's, uh, it's something that has uh, finite resources. And if you treat it uh, like an infinite source, then uh, later or sooner or later, you're going to run out of of, of those resources. So what a circular economy does, it's actually, it's a very broad principle. We can look at it from different perspectives, but uh, I guess it would also start with designing products that can be easily dismantled, that can be easily maintained or repaired or remanufactured, uh, refurbished, all those steps you have within a circular economy. So you're going to prolong the life of a product as long as you can. You're going to make it easy to maintain or repair a product. And you're going to uh, look at how can we best uh, reuse the resources that are present in these products at the end of life. So at the end of life, you're going to make a decision like what's in these products? How can we reuse it? Is, is there a market for the, 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 the materials used in this product that, uh, that's easy uh, to access? So um, yeah, a circular economy in, 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 in and looking at it from that perspective, you, you're going to look at it from design to the processes to the uh, even to transport. So you're going to think about like, can can I locally source some of the materials that I need need for these products uh, instead of shipping them from halfway around the world? Mm. So it's uh, a take on efficiency, but also taking into account the finite resources that we have on this planet and making sure that uh, they can be reused over and over again so that uh, we will never run out, uh, which is practically an impossible mission, but at least to get it, uh, to, get it to a sustainable level where you can uh, yeah, reuse uh, all of the, these materials that are out there. Getting to the sustainable level, so I think you said 90% of products are not circular, so linear, I guess, <laughs> into, into the... Well, into the trash heap um yeah what is the ambition meaning um what is the realistic percentage of circularity that you imagine we could achieve as a as a global population um yeah realistically i think this will take a lot of time because it also includes the awareness that you need to have with every individual living on this planet. So it's, it's, it's a tough question, but I think over time you can flip that coin and, and make it 90% reusable. Um, if, if let's say we, we build a product here uh, or somewhere else in the world and it gets shipped to uh, another part in the world where people uh, don't have a clue what to do with it uh, and, and don't have, for instance, the infrastructure to, uh, uh, to process the the materials that that are present in these products that's where you start having problems hmm. so if those kind of processes uh, internationally and standards develop then you can you can definitely turn that around and uh, also uh, taking those design principles which are coming becoming more uh, uh, more common so instead of gluing parts together which is going to make it hard to uh, to reuse it uh, at end of life they're going to make it interchangeable so you can easily uh, repair or at least replace parts in products. So I think there's a trend going on there and there's very ambitious uh, goals that have been set by, uh, for instance, the Dutch government, uh, which wants to be fully circular in a couple of decades, uh, which is really ambitious, but uh, I think uh, we need to set these ambitious goals to, in order to reach that. Yeah, I think I read it like, um whether it was fully circular, but by, by like I think it's like a 2035 goal that they had, they had some pretty 
ambitious targets, uh, yeah. which was great, which was great to see. So maybe a, a confrontational question. It sounds like a lot of these principles to enable circularity are almost in direct conflict with the traditional definition of capitalism, which is cheapest, fastest, you know, planned obsolescence. Um, I'm thinking of Apple here. I'm, I'm looking at you, Apple. Um, you know, the, like the device of if you drop it once, it's broken and the whole thing is just <laughs> is just destroyed. Um, but they're making a ton of cash. And I'm not saying that Apple isn't sustainable at all, but I'm, you know, I'm just mostly complaining because when my laptop breaks, I have to replace the whole thing. Um, yeah. How do you imagine these dimensions colliding and working in harmony because there must be a way for organizations, I believe, to do well by doing good. Um, yeah. How do you how do you see that, I guess, evolving? Yeah, I, I see it basically as something that's going to be um, initiated by like, right now it's quite a niche market. So people actually do need to pay extra to get those sustainable products because uh, it's not general practice for, for every company, like you said. Um, but also, I, I feel like governments actually have a very important role to play here. So uh, looking at public procurement, they have uh, um, yeah, a, a large budget to make a difference, let's say, if mm -hmm. they actually measure or they take in a, into account that they're not just going to buy the, the cheapest materials out there, but they're also going, going to take this into account, then you can actually give... Um, yeah, yeah. How do you say it? Like a like um, a Kickstarter to uh, to the circular economy, at least in the products that are going to be released on the market. And um, I hope uh, companies take to this example. And I think also the the the, the way people look at it, there's going to be way more uh, consumers that are actually thinking about this and, and taking into account that they want to pay a little bit extra for a better product. Um, but I'm hoping it's going to be before actually resources from their natural, their, uh, mm. as virgin materials become too expensive to be uh, sustainable. Though. So that's, you're going to be forced in, in the long run anyway. But I think until we get to that point, uh, there's going to be a lot of companies realizing this already and also putting their products to market. And I think, like I said, right, right now it's a niche but it's going to expand. So I think uh, at least uh, with in countries where people have a lot of purchasing power, there's going to be a shift. And uh, then hopefully it's going to follow, uh, follow around in the, in the rest of the world in a couple of decades, because that's, uh, that's going to be what it has. So it, it's going to take that. It's going to take some time. Well, um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, because right now I'm, I'm working on sort of IT digital strategies with a bank, fashion brand, chemicals, uh, sustainability and circularity by name are pretty common conversations in all of these organizations. I think some of them are a wee bit more authentic than others. Um, mm -hmm. I'll let you figure out which industry is probably more authentic there. Um, and the conversation has started. So that I think is really positive. Looping back to Circularize, and your LinkedIn says you joined them, I think, in late 2017, yeah. um, which is roughly, uh, you know, around when it started or short, shortly before that. Um, what is, can you describe the, the, the um, it's a standards, you know, uh, transparency, 
type of platform. Can you describe what Circularize provides and, and how are you yeah. contributing to this, I guess, global mission? Yeah, I think I think actually what you talked about before is something that it's, uh, it's uh, a very good sheds a very good light on what we're we're trying to achieve, and that's about all this talk about sustainability and circularity. And the thing is that it's really hard to measure. It's really hard to keep track of what gets like you have these supply chains that exist of so many tiers. So basically, to keep track of everything that's going on in the entire supply chain. Is a, is, a, is a really tough challenge there. can become really expensive as well. So companies, um, there have been numerous cases where big companies even, they put statements out there that they want to reach something by, uh, let's say, 50% uh, circular sourcing by 2025. And then if they're asked, how are they going to do this? Like, it's still uh, just a big hype. It's like, yeah, we're, we don't know yet, but we're going to do this. And um, also how uh, once you get some circular practices into, uh, into place, uh, how are you going to measure what actually ends up with your customers, uh, how they can see what actually has been performed basically in order for that product to be X amount circular or sustainable or has a lesser amount of CO2 footprint than, than the other. So you wanna give people a handle to, uh, to make decisions on buying products, uh, uh, and, and to give them an idea of what's actually going on as far as circular or sustainable efforts go for, for the companies that they're buying from. And uh, what we do is we uh, devise uh, software uh, that is based on blockchain technology. And what we do is we make a digital twin of physical amounts being produced. So let's say uh, a producer makes uh, 10,000 kilograms of uh, uh, recycled, that exists from recycled feedstock. So you get recycled uh, plastics. And they want to put this to market. Uh, it's going through this entire supply chain. We provide them with a way to actually provide uh, the proof of how sustainable they are producing to their entire supply chain. And it eliminates basically uh, most of the ways that there can be fraudulent business about that. Um, and uh, also gives um, the, the consumer a trustworthy uh, idea of what they're purchasing is actually excellent circular or sustainable. So that's that's what we're facilitating by our uh, by our product. Fascinating. And let me dive a little bit deeper. So a digital twin, and and somehow this digital twin needs to track and trace um, because that 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 product or, or bundle of products that were that were manufactured are oftentimes then combined into other products and yeah. create new value, or they're or they're split and sent in two different directions and combined in different things and then yeah. re. So how how do you keep your digital twin in sync with the physical reality. Um, yeah. how, how do you do that? I can't even imagine. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, how we, uh, how we started out with that is uh, on, on um, a mass balance claim. And uh, I'll, I'll dive into it more, but there's technologies that you can combine with our tech uh, in, in, in order of traceability where you can make it uh, Virtually one-on-one, -on -one, but uh, for the for the sake of, of uh, yeah explaining the principle first, I'll I'll start with the mass balance. So, let's say uh, somebody produces the ten thousand kilograms of of recycled plastic I was just talking about, and they want to put it to market. And let's say they have a customer B that wants to buy five thousand kilograms of this feedstock. Uh, they can transfer also. We, we, yeah, we, it's tokenization basically. That's what happens on the blockchain. So we mm. create five thousand tokens, which is actually five thousand kilograms 
of recycled plastics. They transfer it to their customer. And if their customer uh, divides it up in smaller products, they can actually transfer these tokens to the smaller products. So they will be able to uh, split these large amounts into smaller amounts and smaller amounts and smaller amounts. And you're going to be able, like if uh, an end product only weighs, let's say 100 grams or has 100 grams of that plastic in there, you can at least trace that there's 100 grams that has been sold uh, to the end customer and that they actually bought recycled feedstock. So that's the proof that's added to there. And if you then look at it on a larger scale, you can do this for other materials that have been sourced as well. And then you would have a full picture of what's going on within uh, an eventual product. Cool, I love the way to do it. And my evil mind immediately goes into overdrive on how to hack the system. Is there an <laughs> yeah. aftermarket, meaning a, a gray market of tokens? Because imagine a group buys that yeah. you know, thousand kilos of a recyclable a recycled plastic feedstock, they sell it yeah. along the way and then they sort of like greenwashing down some other path. How, how do you resolve that or do you celebrate that? Because that could be actually a whole market in itself. Well, um, I think the main takeaway from there is that you have, uh, that, for instance, if uh, you don't sell the, t the, the kilograms you sell to the next party and you actually want the added proof, which is going to, like we see with our customers, is actually an added value. So they get an upside on the price of their materials. They're going to sell the digital proof with it. So let's say they do not do that. They also don't get that upside. That's the idea mm. behind it, right? Mm. So um, uh, the, the proof actually has intrinsic value. And uh, of course, they can swap the materials uh, and, and sell the actual material in a different market without the proof, but that they will also lose its value. So that's just from a logical uh, economical uh, perspective. But I do see where you're coming from. And uh, the, the way this would work, there's a lots of uh, traceability solutions popping up as well. And we have been talking with a lot of them. We actually tested uh, uh, some of the... the, the um, uh, the technologies that are out there to see if we can combine them with our technology. And uh, one of the things is like, for instance, you have tracers out there that work with uh, certain aspects. They can be added to the material and you can also always trace it back to that original material. Um, hmm. So then you will be basically combining uh, the DNA of a material with a birth certificate. And as long as you have both, you can, if you would look at a person, you can basically say, okay, okay this is your... Uh, this is your DNA. It's uh, linked to this birth certificate. I can actually know it's you. Um, so that will basically, that combination would be the ultimate proof if you would mm -hmm. have that in any case. Uh, so now looking at a mass balance uh, perspective that we're already doing out there, it already brings some certainty to people that are uh, linked to a circularize in the network that are actually receiving and sending out the proof as we currently do with the mass balance system. But looking in the, into the future, uh, we would foresee that at least for some materials to start with, you're going to see that you can actually trace the material itself. You will find a, a basically a digital uh, or a chemical fingerprint on the product and you can link it to the tokens mm. that have been created on the blockchain system. Cool. And um, blockchain, why blockchain? Whenever I have, um, and I'm just legitimately cur curious about this, yeah. Uh, blockchain, in my experience, can be a very inefficient way of running a database. Um, so yeah. it, does it add unique value here? Um, I imagine as these tokens go party to party and you need some sort of intrinsic trust, that would make sense. And that's a use case that I can see. But why the blockchain decision in the, in the architecture? 
that came from actually making uh, um, we, we were looking at what was actually uh, the obstacles in, in the markets we were looking at when Circularize was first uh, exploring and validating uh, their proposition. And we were looking at, uh, for instance, what's one of the things that uh, needs to be there in order to enable having trust in the system. And uh, if you would have like a, a smaller uh, scale database that would run on uh, a central authority, then basically you would always have a single point where somebody could say like, okay, we've seen this, uh, uh, it's, it's trustworthy, but then you would still need to trust this uh, this central authority in there. While using this system, you're going to have a, a ledger that's basically uh, 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 permissionless, and it's going to state that uh, once these there's there's only one point of entry where you need to trust it. Where, for instance, when an auditor says like, "Okay, I've seen this material. It's actually uh, X amount circular or sustainable or whatever kind of claim you want to add to that," and from that moment on. Uh, you can just transfer these tokens. They can also, that's one of the things, the, the upside of the blockchain there, is that they do not exist at one point at the same time. So you can only spend that 5,000 tokens representing that material once. Yeah. Um, and the thing we see is that uh, within the current supply chains, you see a lot of, uh, yeah, for instance, there's, there's a certification for 10,000 kilograms, but it gets sold five times on the market, or there's, uh, there's weird claims going on, or there's weird practices going on. And that's actually one of the aspects that we introduced uh, blockchain technology in order to, uh, to eliminate that part. I see it. No, super cool. I, I'm, I'm enjoying this. The um, customers of this, and you mentioned earlier, you know, before we started our our podcast conversation that um, there's some pilots and things that are still under NDA that you can't, can't talk about that. But I did read on your website that there's some programs with Porsche and some other sort of really well-known brands like that. So how would you yeah. describe, you know, the imaginary perfect customer for you? And, and do you have a few case studies to help people sort of put it in their mind on, on yeah. who would use yeah, this to its fullest? Yeah, yeah. I um, well in the current situation, um, it's mainly manufacturers of uh, sustainable materials. So if they actually think they have an edge on the competition by making claims on how sustainable or how circular a product already is, that's the people that are already basically in line for a good product to uh, have that uh, that proof being transferred down the value chain so that people actually know what they're buying. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, looking at the pilots, for instance, with Porsche, it's, it's great for them to have an initiative like this. Uh, and it's great for us to have an opportunity to work with a really, really big brand like that. Um, because uh, looking at our ideal situation is where we know we have a manufacturer that is producing uh, really well uh, sustainable uh, uh, materials and then on the other end you have a brand that really wants to to have that proof and really wants to communicate to their customers like how well they are doing mm. and uh, and this this made it really interesting for us in in that particular scenario so if you could repeat that with with different manufacturers and different brands that's that's the ultimate uh, the ultimate goal there um, just bringing transparency to their markets and, and communicating it to their end customers uh, mm. yeah that that in our mind is is quite beautiful already so um, and your role as business development manager, I imagine that these days is quite easy then 
your, the phone is probably ringing off the hooks and orders are coming in or, or is this more still a, a bit of a hard sell? How, how does, how ready is the market yeah. for this? Well, for instance, you were just talking about blockchain and that's one of the first things that uh, people also think like when, when incorporating this into their day-to-day uh, -day business, like what's that going to look like? Uh, what's it going to mean for us? And so there's some initial speed bumps basically in the thought process of, of people. Uh, but I see once we take those away, we can actually start working on implementing that uh, into their uh, um, into a pilot case where we can showcase what it can do for them. And then from there, getting it uh, into a recurring phase where they start using the product. And um, well, the, the phone is ringing, but it takes some time for us to uh, to, to uh, basically adapt it to each customer, uh, uh, their expectations, to their desires. And it's not something that's uh, right now off the shelf ready to use. So it, it's, it's still a bit customizable. We're working on uh, getting it more uh, into a plug and play uh, uh, kind of uh, a product so that people can can start using it with a lower barrier even um yeah but we're we're, we're getting there step by step uh, and also like the, the the processes with these large companies they just take a little bit longer and it's all for good reasons mm -hmm. uh but that's why uh, we're working immediately with some uh, bigger clients which makes sense for us as well uh which makes the cycles just a lot longer but it's 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 good fun and we uh we don't have to sit still we're, we're not waiting for uh for the phone to ring mm -hmm. <laughs> And what does the what does the implementation look like? I Meaning, are they actually do they need to provide, I guess, computational power on the chain, or is this something they just log into a portal and update stuff? Or how how deep and tight is this? I guess, I guess the second one, like they 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 don't have to run a node or anything. That's yeah. that's, that's not that part of what we work on a, on a public blockchain. So uh, that's that's something that's that's not something that they need to participate in. Uh, so it's yeah, it's basically a web app where they're going to start to use the the, the product initially, uh, and then of course, like like you also said, like it's it's also part of the physical process. So you need to look at what's behind the data that's going uh, into our system, uh, and there there for now, uh, at least at this point, is the is the most work that needs to be done. Like looking, uh, what does their process look like? Uh, who's auditing the materials? Uh, how are we going to implement uh, implement our system into their uh, their day to day work? And uh, yeah, I guess uh, it's it's just one one more technical step away for us to uh, to get it fully uh, fully up and running uh, uh, with a quicker cycle like that. So uh, we're working on, uh, on 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 speeding up that process. Yeah, I imagine if you roll forward a couple of years, there must be. Um, and I'm going to get really abstract here, so slap me if I if I go too far down the rabbit <laughs> hole. But that there would be some sort of integration with the ERP systems that as the businesses are making their orders and their bills of materials are going through their production processes, yeah. that somehow there would be a track and trace along the way. And God forbid, I think you might not be the only solution like this. So there must be some sort of interchangeability or handoff where, okay, this yeah. token has come through and it needs to be translated to some other type of format in order to sort yeah. of maintain its integrity. So. What's yeah, the yeah, what's yeah. the the big picture on this? And once that's there, wow! I think uh, I think the, the the insights, not only for the consumer but also for the um, the producers and you know the businesses yeah. themselves, the insights will be incredibly valuable. Yeah, 
Yeah, the, 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 that's a good thing you bring that up because one of the things we were looking looking at when designing our product and how, how we're going to go about this and how can you actually enable that adoption is one of the things we were looking at is we're going to uh, have at least part of the, the protocol that's behind the system. We're going to open source that. So we want to be able to, uh, to, to work together with the industry to set a standard and then open source that so even even competitors can pop up but uh, mostly we're we're looking at how can you enable a, an ecosystem where uh for instance different companies making different applications can work with the same uh standard in order to uh yeah to get a widespread adoption and 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 that everybody can start using that so um, we're, we don't have the illusion that we can do everything ourselves. We're, we're also a startup and we, uh, we take after a couple of niche markets, uh, but we try to establish something that is bigger because if you get silos within the, within the circular economy and, and within the data flow that's behind that, that's, that's going to be bad in our opinion. So that's, uh, that's the strategy we chose for. In, in my limited experience in, 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 these topics what i also find is oftentimes the supply chain itself isn't well enough managed they don't have insights in it so already just the audit or the traceability of the supply chain sustainable or not is incredibly valuable and then once you have that under control on a, on a consistent and quality basis then you can start making really intelligent decisions about where to focus your basically your sustainability efforts. So, yeah. so there's no really, um, yeah. really amazing stuff. So we have a bit of time for a few more questions. I'm curious, um, um, what was I curious about? Damn it, plastics. <laughs> you, you, you mentioned something about niche markets. Yeah. And I read on the website, again, that is at Circularize and for everyone, on half of my life that are American, it's not spelled your way. It's spelled <laughs> circularize with an S E at the end.com. Yeah. Um, I'm curious what, I'm curious what the other circularize, there must be someone else, but this is circularize with an S E.com and under the industries, you have plastics, but are you forking into other um, industries or, or product lines as well? Um, yes, also before we uh, took a main uh, turn to, towards plastics, I think we also look, and that's something that overlaps, of course. So you look mm. at, at plastics as the basis of, of some textile materials as well. Mm. So there's, uh, there's some interest there in that market. Uh, but also chemically based, like for instance, you mentioned uh, the Startup in Residence uh, program. Uh, we're there focusing on building materials and uh, that's that's a niche market, but there's a lot of uh, attention coming there from the Dutch procurement side. <laughs> so they set out with this question in the startup in residence uh, challenges. And we've been working on this for, I think, a year and a half now uh, in order to uh, map circularity within uh, infrastructure and built environment. <laughs> so that's that's also something we're, uh, we're well looking into and... Uh, um, looking into that market is giant material streams. And uh, um, yeah, there's challenges there that we thought like hey, it, it resembles uh, or it is actually quite similar to the challenges we have within the plastics industry. And uh, yeah, I, I was definitely keen to, uh, to take on that challenge. So mm -hmm. that's why we're also, uh, also venturing into the, the build environment. Uh, but all, related, all is related basically right now to chemicals. Mm -hmm. And um, 
that, that's where we get the main traction. Can you share a few words on, uh, maybe in your own words, describe the startup and residence program and why you, inv you invest in that program and, and why you think they're investing in, in you as a startup? And I'm yeah. curious how you describe it. And then I'll, I'll fill in the blanks from my, my perspective as well, because I think it's an outstanding program. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think first of all, they 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 get uh, different challenges. They uh, um, they select certain startups to meet uh, those challenges and to 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 take part in the program. And the program is actually it's it's set up beautifully. So the organization is really really well and uh, keeps you on point. But they also uh, make sure that through these common chapters that you walk through with all of the other startups, you get basically the same idea of what uh, where you're going. Uh, together with the products individu individually coming from the municipality, so you, you go through a joint uh, um, um, through a joint section, but also you get the progress. Uh, it, it just gets flowing through that, so you get upon upon these topics that are going to help you throughout the challenge, uh, but also make you better as a as an entrepreneur itself. So uh, there were a lot, a lot of topics in there that I was like, yeah, I, I haven't really thought about it before. So that was for my personal development was was really good to, to, to partake in, but also looking at the general uh, goal in order to uh, meet the challenges that they set out with, uh, it facilitates really well. And uh, yeah, the, 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 like I said, the quality of the program in general is, is really good, really good uh, trainers and, and mentors as well. And, the mentors uh, are, you, are fantastic, <laughs> aren't they? The, me the mentors are incredible. Um, they are, they yeah. are, definitely. No, the, but the, uh, yeah, I think that just yeah. it, it for me it was a, a really good experience to get into because I do have to say like it's mm. it's sort of an acceleration program as well right you get really quickly boosted into that and I didn't partake in any myself before so this was uh, was a really good uh, really good introduction for uh, for me well um, to add one one thing to that that description and I and I would underline everything that you've said I, and I've heard that from other people as well is I think the genius of the program is it's it's not a traditional accelerator or boot camp it's actually a procurement process um yeah and so they took an otherwise bureaucratic procurement process working with a city you know and every city's like that these are public entities um so that's not really a, a, a criticism um however they have then taken the requirements of a procurement process streamlined that and, and then took these cases these use cases, customer needs from inside the city, connect it to startups, put a program around it to match the startup capability with the actual need, but basically a six month program yeah. in order to prove the case enough. And then if um, all parties are satisfied, then there is an opportunity for an actual commercial deal between the startup and the, and the city. Yeah. And that's the payoff. And so it's actually, it's yeah. not equity based or you know just giving nope. money away or loan yep. based it's actually let's spend some time together let's get some support together and the goal is to create value between the city yep. and the startup and i think that yep. purposefulness of the aim to create value and sustainable value meaning meaning business sustainable value is um um i just immediately fell in love with it and that's also why i participate and, and give my time and also celebrate it on on the podcast and learn from yeah, from yeah. amazing people like you so um, yeah, I totally agree. I think that's uh, one of the things about this is 
is that like you said like if it's for instance if it's an uh, the goal is to get to an equity deal for instance just to get funding for 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 your company but to get on this scale actually work towards some commercial deal is actually adding value right away which is going to be good for the uh, for the city to to experience these innovations but also for the companies there itself to create value for the company right away uh, and I, I do think the emphasis is sometimes a little bit too much on, on, on valuation and getting getting those investments in instead of just uh, getting your uh, solution out there and actually providing real value uh, right away. And I think that's a beautiful balance they have there. Beautiful balance. I, I totally agree with that. So, um, Brian, Brian Smith, thank you so much for joining. This has been educational for me and, you know, journey of discovery deeper into the circular economy. Um, yeah, right. I love that there's a use case that I can point to around blockchain that, that is actually adding value other than marketing buzz value. So I, I can yeah, see yeah. how that how that adds here. Um, and for those of you who might be working for a manufacturer of a sustainable chemical-based products, then reach out to Brian at on LinkedIn and his LinkedIn Great. profile will be on the show notes or you can go to circularize with an S-E at the end.com and learn more about it. So Brian, thank you so much for joining. I've really appreciated it. Chris, thank you as well. Really enjoyed it as well. And uh, thanks for, uh, for setting this up. Learn more at ebillion.com slash podcast.